Well, good morning. All right, I'm going to just go ahead and come out of the gate with an apology here, all right? Um, I'm not real sure what I've got right now, but I don't know where my throat's going to go with this. I do know that I have found a cough drop that I think contains Novocaine because I am numb. And so if this thing will last, I'll be good, but I will not be down front afterwards because you don't want what I've got, right? I, somebody asked me, that. I feel like I swallowed a softball that was covered in 80-grit sandpaper and lit on fire and stopped somewhere right there, all right? So um, that's where I am. You don't want that. So I'm going to do my best this morning, though, to uh, push through, and hopefully my voice will hold out, but um, begin there. We're uh, continuing our journey through the day, and what a wonderful job this morning, guys. Thank you so much. That, that was awesome. That was awesome. Well, they say if uh, preaching is to singing, what raining is to farming, I'm afraid it may be too wet to till, right? Uh, is, that, uh, is that what they say? Um, Let's jump in this morning. We're continuing our journey through the New Testament together. Uh, in your reading last week, you read uh, the book of the letter of Jude and also began your reading in Revelation. Uh, I'm going to back up and I'm going to be in Jude this morning. As I said when we began that I wanted to preach at least one message from uh, every book uh, as we went through this together to help with, with your reading plan and your preparation uh, and study. The difficult side to that is you get one message out of an entire book sometimes and this is one of them. So, uh, But you find this, it's kind of interesting because uh, the book of Jude or the letter of Jude is kind of nestled between uh, so much of John's writings. You have 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Revelation which was written by John and then kind of uh, stuck here uh, amongst them uh, is this tiny little book of Jude. It's roughly 600 uh, words, depending on which translation that you use uh, and prefer. And, and this morning, uh, if all goes well, I'm going to read most of them, right? And so what I want to do is just kind of walk us through this text uh, expositionally, just uh, reading the text and kind of explaining what that is, because uh, this text or this letter uh, is a very deep one. Uh, if you may have uh, caught that in, in your reading, but it, but it is very deep, and it, and it tackles a very serious subject both then and certainly in the church today, and it's that idea of apostasy, Right, And as I said, I'm limited uh, to one message from this, but I'm going to cover as much ground as possible. And here's what I see that uh, Jude is really laying out through, these, uh, through this letter. And it's really two warnings uh, to the church, the church then and to us today. The first is this, that we are to be aware, beware of the apostates or the false teachers. Uh, understand that they are there. They are among you. They always have been and they always will be. And so to beware and to be on guard for that. But then ultimately and secondly, don't become one, right? Uh, take heed lest you fall. And so uh, he kind of addresses both of those. So I want to begin just reading through this morning. If you would open your Bibles or you can open the church app this morning, the text is there uh, in the book and letter of Jude. And I'm going to begin in verse 1 at his greeting. Jude writes, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are called, loved by God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, 
and love be multiplied to you. Now, let me go ahead and stop there. Here, the, the writer identifies himself in this opening as Jude. Uh, Jude was a very common name at this time, I, but had variations of it, both Old and New Testament. Uh, sometimes people would be referred to as Jude uh, or Judas uh, or Judah, right? And all the same name. Just like today, uh, if your name is John, you may go by John or Johnny or, or Jonah, right? But, but, but all variations of the same name. Well, that's what it was for Jude, right? That is the writer of this text. And also carries the same name, unfortunately for him, as the great apostate, the, the great defector, Judas Iscariot. Uh, but certainly this is not his letter. He did not uh, pen this. He was long gone by this time. Nor was it the other Judas, Judas Thaddeus, who was also an apostle of Jesus Christ. In fact, if you look uh, later in the text, in verse 17, he says this, But you, dear friends, remember what was predicted by the apostles, right? Uh, by them saying, uh, in essence, saying, I'm not, nor was I one of them. So this is a different Jude. This Jude, it references himself, is the brother of James, and therefore is also, as James was, the half-brother of Jesus, Right? Jesus had many brothers and sisters. In fact, in Matthew chapter 13, beginning verse 55, it was a time when Jesus was in his hometown of Nazareth. And while he was there, this is what the people said that Matthew recorded in verse 55 of Matthew 13. Isn't this the carpenter's son talking about Joseph? And isn't his mother called Mary and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, aren't they all with us as well? So, so we see from that text, Jesus had several half-brothers as well as half-sisters. So the whole idea of perpetual virginity uh, certainly violates Scripture at its essence. Uh, but this was James, the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, excuse me, Jude, the half-brother of Jesus. And he opens his letter the same way his brother James did. Not as I likely would have or, or you may. Hey, I am... Jude, the brother of Jesus. Right now, I would have laid that out there. If that were, you, you better believe that would be on my business card if it were in my credentials, right? I, I wouldn't want the world to know, right? I've got that association. But neither him nor James did that uh, in their letters. Instead, he says, not I'm the brother of Jesus, but a servant of Jesus. Uh, James used that, uh, that, that terminology, a bond slave. I, I'm, a, I'm a slave or a servant to Jesus Christ. Now also, just like his brother James, Jude didn't believe his brother's claims. Or then we, we saw that, I'm not gonna go back into that. We, we, we looked at that in our study in James, but his brothers and sisters thought he was crazy. Remember that, they thought, they thought man, he has lost his mind, the things he's saying. But all of a sudden, the, though they didn't believe the claims of their brother, now he says, I am a servant to the resurrected Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The resurrection changed everything for him. And look who he's writing to. I, I love this terminology that he uses. To those who are called, loved, kept, in verse 2 then, and blessed, right? Um, have mercy, peace, and love. That's how he describes uh, the believers in the church. Those who are called by God, loved by God, and kept for Jesus Christ for the sake of having mercy, peace, and love. Man, isn't that what we desire? Isn't that what our, our world is yearning out for? And that's exactly what Jude says every believer has. Let's continue, verse 3. 
He writes, dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. For some people who were designated for the judgment long ago have come in by stealth. They are ungodly, turning the grace of our God into sensuality and denying Jesus Christ, our only master and Lord. He, he opens up and he says, now listen, I wanted to write you a letter, but I, but I wanted to write a letter about salvation, right? That was what was on the heart of Jude, the writer. But instead, God, who is the author of all scripture, wanted him to write about this, about false teachers, the, the apostate, right? In verse three, then he, he shares an appeal uh, for the church, for believers then to be defenders against these great defectors. Second Peter, you may recall, as you, as you read just recently, was Peter's great reminder that we're to be on guard against false teachers. And what Peter was reminding the churches, hey, be on guard, they will come. Jude's letter, however, which was written only a few years after Peter's letter, says this, they're already among us. They're here, right? They're already among us. And I'll tell you something, if you want to do a great and a very deep theological study, read Jude and 2 Peter, especially focusing on chapter 2 of 2 Peter. Read those together. Read those in parallel because they go hand in hand speaking into that, 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 that same argument, that same idea. It's an incredible study for you to have. But here Jude says in verse 4 that these apostate, these false teachers, have come in by stealth. I love that word stealth that the CSB uses right there. And the Greek word for that, it, it, it has this idea they come in unnoticed. Right? They, they kind of fly in under the radar for stealth, right? They are counterfeit. That same word that's used for counterfeit or, or, or when things blend in, right? They're, they're, they're there, but you don't really know that they're there, right? They look like everyone else. They, they act like everyone else, but it's only a front, right? They're there to infiltrate. And so these apostates, they, 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 they know the truth, but you said they, they deny the truth. And not only that, they, they'll, they'll distort the truth in, either, in order to have others follow in their footsteps. And while they defect from the truth, what he also reminds us, they don't always defect from the church, right? Sometimes they stay within the church. They don't believe what the Bible says, but Satan is using them within the church. And when I say church, I, I, mean, I mean corporately, but uses them to infiltrate the church. And really what they're doing is they're, they're acting as a form of what we would refer to as terrorism today, right? Isn't that what a terrorist does? A, a terrorist just tries to, to blend into their surroundings, uh, whether it's in a group, whether it's getting on an airplane, <laughs> sorry, getting on an airplane or, or anything else, right? That they just want to blend in so, so you don't notice them. But all the while, they, they've got a hidden agenda, a hidden agenda to destroy and to disrupt. And that's what Jude is saying. Hey, listen, they're there in stealth. They're there like, like a terrorist, for Christendom, right? That's why they're there, which is why Satan, Jesus said in his great parable, Satan sows his tares, what church? Among the wheat, right? He, he places them there. He will place them among us. In Mark chapter four, verses 14 through 20, Jesus kind of speaks into this in a parable, if you will, and it's that parable of the sower. And when he's talking about those who are apostate, those who, who have the truth and yet they deny it or they distort it, he said this, 
He said, the sower sows the word, which is the truth and the word of God. Some are like the word sown on the path. When they hear immediately, Satan comes and takes it away from them. And others are like seed sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they do not root. They have no root. And they are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like seeds sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those like seeds sown on the good ground, they hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit. Thirty and sixty, even a hundred times what was sown. Jesus was saying this about those, hey, there's going to be those, right, who, who hear the word and receive it. They are all in until life hits them in the mouth, right? They're all in. They, they, they like what they hear. They like what they see. They, they, they like the music. They like the celebration. They, they like all this. But all of a sudden, things get difficult. All of a sudden, life is hard. Or, or God's word tells them to repent. They don't like that. Or like a mirror, it shows them some areas in their life that, that need to be addressed. And they don't want to touch those. Or they don't like what it says about, about purity or, or about marriage. or Hey, fill in the blank. I'm, I'm all in. You ever, you ever known someone that they, uh, they, they respond to the gospel, that they start reading the word? They're all excited about it. Maybe they, they read a good devotional book that was just uh, all Fruit Loops, right? They were just loving it. But then they start reading deeper in the word and they start hearing things. They say, man, this is, this is hard. This is difficult, and, and they'll fall away, right? They, they don't like what it says. That's who he's referring to. The, the apostate, they heard the truth. They understood the truth, but they defected from the truth. Now, you know what's uh, crazy? It had only been about 40 years since Jesus was resurrected. And already, those within the church were abandoning Jesus Christ. Only 40 years after the appearance of the resurrected Jesus. Well, certainly, how much more so today? Friends, there has always been and there will always be a war on the truth from God's Word. It has always been that way and it will always be that way. And you know it. Hey, go out there and share it, right? That's what we're called to do. All men and women are sinners. The only way to the Father is through a relationship with His Son and Him alone, Jesus Christ. And without a relationship with Jesus, you are destined and determined to go to hell forever. That's the truth from God's Word. And yet, when you preach that, when you teach that in this world, it evokes a battle. Does it not? That has always been the case, and it always will be. Now, Jude doesn't describe exactly what they were teaching. We don't know. And the truth is, it doesn't matter. We, we don't know what it was. It likely had elements of the truth, but not the whole truth. Right? We, we don't know. We just know it wasn't the truth of God. Let's keep reading in verse 7. Now, I want to remind you, although you came to know all these things once and for all, that Jesus saved people out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not keep their own position but abandoned their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains in deep darkness for the judgment on that great day 
Likewise, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns committed sexual immorality and perversions and serve as an example by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Well, here what he does is he hits on everyone. Right? He talks about the Jews, the angels, the, the, the Gentiles, and Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns there. He hits everyone, right? Now, likely he, he is writing here to Jewish converts uh, who would have been well-versed in the Old Testament judgments, right? The judgments from the Old Testament. They, they would have understood that. But what he wanted them to see is no one is exempt, right? Not only the Jews, not only Gentiles, even the angels, and he, and he talks here about the, the angels being bound for that great day. Now, now understand this. He's not talking about Satan here, right? Satan has yet to be bound. We know that, right? Uh, Satan asked Jesus to sift Simon as wheat, right? Uh, he is not yet bound. So what is he referring to then? Uh, and there's a lot of debate on this. But almost certainly he's referring to the, to the angels from Genesis chapter 6, the Nephilim. And, and we're going to get into that in next year's uh, study, here, really here just in a few weeks. But where angels, the, the, the fallen angels, had likely possessed men and, and had relations with the women on earth. And so God was so furious with those angels that he gave them this specific judgment of being chained in hell. Now, you may remember, I remember when Jesus was in the town and the uh, demonic uh, 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 person that had all the spirits in him came up. And, and when they saw Jesus, that they knew who he was and they begged him. Do you remember that? Don't throw us, what, into the abyss. Well, that, that's what they were referring to as well. And that's where these angels are. But, but make no mistake, Satan and, and many others are still alive and well in this world today. You say, well, then, then what, what's the lesson here, Right? And I believe it's this, everyone, including the angels, those who were so close to God, there in glory with him, who understood and knew the truth, even angels rebelled. And when they did, he punished them greatly. Well, friends, why would man be exempt from either? Right? We can know God just as well, and yet we can fall away. And we can be banished to hell also. Let's keep reading verse 8. In the same way, <clears throat> these people, relying on their dreams, defile their flesh, reject authority, and slander glorious ones. Yet when Michael the archangel was disputing with the devil in an argument about Moses' body, he did not dare utter a slanderous condemnation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme anything they do not understand. And what they do understand by instinct, like irrational animals, by these things they are destroyed. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain and have plunged into Balaam's error for profit. Well, verse 8 in here, it says that these apostate false, false teachers, they rely on their dreams. And I love that because we still see that today, don't we? I mean, isn't that true? Uh, you, you ever seen people, man, that, that they, the, the false teachers today, and they'll say this, God told me, right? Watch them on TV. They won't do a lot of teaching from the Word of God. Oh, they may tip their hat to it occasionally, but then they walk away from that. And they begin, and they build their whole case, right, on what God has told me. What God told me. And, and, and who are you to refute what, what, what God has told them, Right? But you won't find scripture in it. You won't find scripture to even back it up. 
But they'll take just enough, enough to, to distort it. And what Jude says here is to blaspheme the word out of their own ignorance. And for them, then, these dreams that they have or these, these words that they've received from God, which they have not, right? But what they claim to, they, they trump the word of God. They, they supersede all scripture. And so they, what he says in, in Jude, Jude says here is they reject authority. Now, that Greek word there for authority, kuriotes, uh, um, you may recognize the root word there, curious. It's where we get our word in the New Testament Greek word for Lord. And he says what they do is they, they reject Jesus's lordship in their life. They reject God's lordship and authority of how they're to, to live their lives, how they're to act, how they're to respond. And, and then he says, Cain, by the way, who was the original apostate, they're following in his ways, right? Cain, if you remember in Genesis, we're going to get there in a few weeks too, right? He knew what was required of him. He, he knew what sacrifice was asked for, but instead he went his own way. Instead, he chose the easy way out. He, he chose to do what he wanted to do for sacrifice. And he says, that's what they're doing. They're, they, they, they know the truth, but they're choosing to go a different route. He says even Balaam, Balaam was the false prophet in the Old Testament who would falsely prophesy for money. For Israel, against Israel. It didn't matter. This king, that king, whoever was the highest bidder, hey, Balaam had a prophecy for him, right? And he was making it up. He was false as well. But what he, he did it for the money. And, you know, today you'll see that as well. Apostate false teachers, what, what's usually the, the topic of their sermon? What is it? Prosperity. Isn't it? Prosperity. Oh, hey, God wants you to be wealthy, but mostly he wants me to be wealthy, right? And so if you'll sow money into my ministry, they're not talking about churches or parents, into to, to them, right? That the, the, they follow that same road as Balaam. Well, let's keep reading verse 12. These people, talking about them, are dangerous reefs at your love feast as they eat with you without reverence. They are shepherds who only look after themselves. They are waterless clouds being carried along by winds, trees in late autumn, fruitless, twice dead and uprooted. They are wild waves of the sea foaming up their shameful deeds, wandering stars for whom the blackness of darkness is reserved forever. Well, here, Jude kind of unmasked these pretenders, right? And I love this terminology he uses because they would have understood it at the time, and, and we can so see that today. He, he begins, he talks about they're, they're these dangerous reefs, you know, just kind of lying under the surface, right? That, that's what a reef was. It, in those days, they didn't have sonar. They couldn't look ahead to see what was under the water. And so you may be out in an ocean. It may look as deep as I'll get out out there, and, this, and, and a vessel is coming along. Meanwhile, just under the surface is a huge reef. And these ships would, would hit these reefs, right? And it would either, at best, strand the vessel or likely and often completely destroy it. He said, that's what they are. They're, they're there. They're with you. And they're, they're hiding under the surface, right? They're, they're, they're under disguise just enough, just enough to blend in like, like that reef wheel to the rest of the sea. But meanwhile, they have an agenda to destroy you. But then he goes on. He, he says this. He, he says, they're also like... like Rainless clouds, C clouds that give you hope. Like when you, see a, when you see a cloud in the sky, you think, oh, it's going to rain. He said, but, but these clouds, they're, they're empty. They're, they're, there's nothing in it. They, they give you that hope, but there's nothing on the inside of them for you. He says also they're kind of like, like trees, 
trees that in autumn you think, oh, they're going to produce fruit, but meanwhile, they're barren. Today we would say this, they are all show and no go, right? There's nothing to them. There's nothing behind them. I couldn't help it as I was studying this this week. I remember in the 80s there was a, a group, a music group, that just took the world by storm. Uh, they were from, they were, they were German, uh, and when they would do interviews, they had this, they had a pretty thick accent, but when they sang, the accent just miraculously disappeared. And they were famous, they had the look, man, all the girls were swooning over them, like, I mean, it was, they had it all, right? They had these dance moves that they had come up with, and everybody's trying to mimic them, and, and everybody wanted to be like them. They, they, they packed out arenas. And one time, they, they were having one of their great concerts, and their, their keynote song, they began to sing it. They took up the mics and they began to sing, Girl, you know it's true, right? And what happened is that, Girl, you know, girl, you know, girl, you know, girl. The track stuck. And Millie Vanilli was exposed. You remember it? Even to this day, when you want to mock someone for lip syncing, you'll say they're going Millie Vanilli, right, guys? They were exposed. They couldn't sing at all. In fact, it was two older dudes from, from, from the United States that were doing all the music. They were just standing in front of the people and mouthing the words to the tracks that someone else sang. Jude said, that's what they are. There's nothing inside. There's, there's nothing behind them. They're not who they appear to be. They have no depth whatsoever. Jesus said in Matthew 7 about these, he said, there's going to come a time in judgment when these people, these apostates, they will kneel before me. You know what they're going to say? Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? Did, did, did we not drive out demons? Did, did we not have crusades in your name? And I'll tell them plainly, away from me. I never knew you. Let's keep reading verse 17. But you, dear friends, remember what was predicted by the apostles of, your Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ. They told you in the end times there will be scoffers living according to their own ungodly desires. These people create divisions and are worldly, not having the Spirit. Now, up to this point, right, Jude was focused on the fakes, right, the, the false teachers, the, the apostate, right? Now, we, we saw that repeatedly, these people in verse 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, all throughout the text that we've gone so far. But now he turns his attention to believers. He says, but you, dear friends, right, you in the church, you fellow believers, right? And he's warning them, don't follow them and don't become like them, right? In John's gospel, John chapter 6, verse 60, John records this. Jesus had already begun his teaching ministry. He had performed many miracles. People were, were following him around. He had begun teaching. And in chapter 6 and verse 60, uh, John writes this. Therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? A few verses later in, in verse 66, from that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. See, they were following Jesus when he was performing miracles, healing people, uh, multiplying things. Man, they're all about it. In his early teachings, they liked what they heard. But as he taught more, it says that it began to be difficult to hear. They didn't like what Jesus was saying. And many of the disciples literally fell away. 
the writer of Hebrews. You remember in Hebrews chapter 2, we looked at this verse 1. For this reason, we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard. Why? So that we will not drift away. Hey, listen, even in the church, if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you'll listen to the things of the world and you'll slowly drift away. And so Jude reminds us, don't defect from the truth, from what you were told by the apostles themselves. And for us today, what he's saying is, listen, don't defect from God's holy word. It is truth. It alone is truth. There are are so many different people that refer to themselves as Bible scholars and theologians and everything else. Man, you can get on the internet and listen to everybody. But I want to tell you what, it better align with God's holy word, amen? His truth, only his truth. Don't defect from it. And look at verses 18 and 19 right there. Man, I tell you, if there's ever been a more compelling argument for us being in the end times, I don't know what it would be. Uh, look, look what he says. In the end time, there will be scoffers living according what? To their own ungodly desires. These people create divisions and are worldly, not having the spirit. Can you imagine a world that wants to live for themselves? A world that's, that's selfish? A world that is not united but divided? Can you fathom that? We live there, do we not? Hey, listen, I, people talk about, hey, we're in the end times. Hey, I don't know where we are. No, no one does. But if there's ever been a solid argument, certainly Jude hit it there, right? Without a doubt. Well, let's keep going. Actually, I need to close out. Jude chapter, verse 20. He says, but you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Have mercy on those who waver. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others, but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by their flesh. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and without great and with great joy, to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, power, authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Now, let me just, just highlight just a couple things here in our closing. First of all, in verse 20, he says, build yourself up in faith. Right? Be strong what, in the truth, in the, in the Word of God. Know the Word of God so that it can undergird and strengthen your faith. Listen, no fighter enters a ring or an octagon or a cage without spending countless hours of training in the gym, do they? Nobody walks off the street and says, all right, let's, let's go. But no, they prepare for that. Man, yeah, one of the greatest movies of all time, Rocky, right? You mean Rocky and Mickey? Rocky was the boxer, Mickey's the trainer. Right, Mickey said this to him. Let me tell you something, kid. For a 45-minute fight, you got to train hard for 45,000 minutes. That's what Jude's saying. He's saying, listen, you better be in the Word so that your faith is not just a surface faith, but a strong, enduring faith. And people tell me, oh, well, I don't need the church. Well, I, 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 don't, I don't need the Bible. Yeah, I commune with God outdoors. I get out on the farm, man, on the golf course, or on the lake, or you fill in the blank what you've heard too, right? I, I just commune. With, that's all I need. I'm with God. And listen, there, you, you, you can see evidence of God out there. You can. The Bible tells us that. 
You can even talk with God. I spent all week just about in a tree stand. I did a lot of talking with God, right? I, I get it. But I'm going to tell you what. What about when the difficult times come? What about when it gets hard? What about when you get hit in the mouth, right, from life? I love Mike Tyson had a quote. You know, everybody, went, he was the greatest, he's a heathen, but a great boxer in, in his prime, right? And everybody wanted to fight him. And everybody that came in always had a plan. This is how I'm going to beat him. And they never could. And his quote was this. Everyone has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. Everybody knew how they were going to beat Mike Tyson until they got hit one time by Mike Tyson, right? And then everything changed. It's just survival at that moment. Sometimes life can hit you in the mouth. And it's unexpected. And here's the question, what will you do? Because listen, that's when the strength of your faith will be exposed. When that unexpected tempting, that unexpected testing comes... How will you stand? See, that's what faith is. I don't understand it. I can't explain it, why I'm in this situation, why I'm going through this, but I know God's got it. And that faith comes from time and the word. He he says this, I'm over time and I'm sorry. Verse 22, he used that word waver. And what what he's saying is that's who they prayed on, those who who, who wavered, those who who were weak, right, within the church. Let me ask you a question. Those crusades, those healing crusades, those prosperity crusades, who's there? It's the desperate. It's the weak. That's who they prey on, right? That's who online predators prey on today. What those those who are down, destitute, and weak, who are hopeless in most sense. He says that that's what the apostate do in the church. They find those who are weak, those who, who have a very shallow root, and they go after them. But here's the response of the church, verse 23. We're to snatch them from the fire. I love that, don't you? Snatch them from, hey, listen, they're headed down a road to, to eternal flames. And he says, but, but we have the calling, we have the gift and the opportunity to snatch them up out of the flame. Listen, if your neighbor's house was on fire, would you not kick the door in? Rush through the smoke and the flames to to drag them out to safety? Would you not do that, church? What Jude says, hey, those without Christ, those without the truth, they're living in a house that's engulfed in flames. What will you do about it? And he closes out in verse 25 to remind us, he's all we need. We don't need the things of this world when we have the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for our salvation. God, we thank you for your word and your truth that protects us, that sustains us, that guides us. Father, I pray if there's anyone here today who says, you know, I I feel like I know a little, but but I'm not there. And I want to take that next step, that next step of of faith and obedience to nail down my salvation, to repent of my sins, to trust Jesus as Savior, to follow in believers' baptism, to to, to become a member, an active member of a church, and and be involved in in a connect group, small group class in Bible study to grow in my faith. I pray today they would make that step of faith and obedience. And Lord, for us all, for this church, may we go out into this world seeing that those around us are engulfed in flames. Give us, Lord, the strength and the courage to snatch them out into glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you.